Welcome to X-Men Evolution, episode 12 of Cyclops is Waiting For Me, an X-Men animated recap podcast. I'm Rod. I'm doing my best with this recap of this episode because my Wi-Fi was going in and out and Disney Plus glitched in the middle of that, probably because of the spectrum problem. But I couldn't use any controls on this episode, so no pausing, no rewinding, no skipping, no fast forwarding. So we're just going off the fly with my already goldfish memory. Well, at least you type out your notes because I'm JC and I handwrite my notes as I'm doing this. I don't think I would be able to handwrite my notes if I couldn't pause the episode. One thing going on with me, I'm currently in a fundraising mode for Extra Life, which is the Children's Miracle Network Hospital charity. I will make sure we throw a link on the feed. If you want to do a $50 donation to the Children's Hospital of Los Angeles through our link, you can get a video of me Smirnoff icing myself and you will have that sent to you as well as tagged on Instagram because I will drink really, really awful alcohol for a good cause. <laughs> Very nice. Yeah, healthy kids for the kids. Yeah, and Rod and I have talked offline possibly about something we may do that ties into the stream I do on the first weekend of November, possibly. So we'll see if that comes to fruition. Regardless, I will be doing that. Rod tends to pop into those streams at one in the morning, historically. <laughs> yeah. Physically. Yes. <laughs> Physically pop in. I so, was just hanging out with our friend Max. I was like, hey, Max, remember when for like 20 minutes the stream was just your butt? Yeah, that happened. <laughs> and he was like, why do you keep telling that story? He's like, because it's hilarious. Your ass raised money for charity. charity. Should yeah. say charity. <laughs> Cyclops is waiting for me as our weekly podcast series. We're going back and watching every single X-Men animated episode we could find, along with some bonus episodes. Our first series started with the original 1992 X-Men, the animated series, building up to the release of X-Men 97, which we still, at the time of recording, have a possibility it's coming out to Disney Plus in this year, 2023. We don't know for sure, but as of right now, it's not here yet, so we found some other stuff to cover. We'll, we'll know that there's a death knell if like all the episodes drop at once unannounced like in the middle of October. <laughs> like, ooh, not too much faith in this one. That's going to be like one of those moments where you and I are just like, can you call out of work tomorrow? <laughs> we just have to record all of it. Some quick reminders. We are a recap show about a series that started over 20 years ago. There will be spoilers, especially if you hang out on our TikTok, apparently. If you don't want to yeah. spoil for you, pause the podcast or don't read those comments. Comment, please, but don't read the comments. But watch the episode and come back. We are currently not sponsored or affiliated with Marvel, Marvel Animation, Disney, or Disney Plus in any way. I do want to shout out, though, our good friend Ron Wasserman, who wrote the original X-Men theme song for 92 series and also co-wrote with me the theme for this podcast, has hopefully by now that you're listening to this has released his own remake of the original X-Men 92 theme song, which is already really cool because he's already done the Power Rangers theme song the way he wanted to. But also, if you've been on like Instagram or TikTok, you know that when you try to look for the X-Men theme song as a sound to use... It's just not there, right? Yeah, you can find other people's like versions that I'm sure they work very hard on. They're close, but... This one, I can tell you from first-hand experience, I've heard it already, it sounds fucking epic, but also it's like the dude that did the original one. So he put all the little stuff in the nooks and crannies of that mix that he knows that was in the original. And for those of you who don't know, if you haven't watched the RKVC video about it, the original ones, Masters, are gone because the 90s and Haim Sabine is cheap and they destroyed everything. They re-recorded re over everything. I was gonna say, you re-record over every master back then to save 40 bucks. Yeah, so they don't have the original split tracks. I mean, there's probably like a master wave file somewhere, you know, but like, yeah, they can't split it up or anything. So anyway, there, there's a version now that you can listen to on Spotify, Instagram, TikTok, all that stuff by the original dude. It sounds just like the original one, only bigger, like way bigger. <laughs> and as long as it is live, by the time that we're recording this, we're going to share links to it because Ron is an awesome yep. buddy and friend of the pod. Don't forget to follow us on social media to find out what that link is. We are on Instagram, TikTok, Threads, Twitter, because I refuse to call it <laughs> X and Facebook. Of course, make sure to follow us on your favorite podcast service. I do know, especially a few weeks ago, one of our episodes popped off with like listeners on YouTube more than it normally does. So hopefully those people liked it enough to go and follow us on the podcast apps too. Nice. Yeah. Hello, YouTube. Also, YouTube dropped a new feature. I knew that this was going to happen a couple months ago, but I just saw that I actually implemented if you do follow our YouTube channel and the shorts pop up for you, because I know shorts usually like populate more for some people than others. Now there's a link on the short that goes to the podcast episode, as long as Rod remembers to put it in there. It Now you can click on the short to go to the episodes that have like, instead of having to go to the description or like look forward or whatever, you can just, you, you see, if you see the thing pop up, you're like, oh, I could just go to that right now and click into it. So also they made a playlist type, which is called podcast too. Yep. Yeah. So I, I'm guessing that's like an algorithmic thing. It probably treats it differently. Either treats it differently or it has something to do with like the, I'm imagining YouTube premium thing where you could have like 
music feeding through without needing to look at the visual or something. Oh, okay, yeah. Oh, oh gotcha, gotcha. I don't know. Yeah. I don't pay for it, so. Right, yeah. <laughs> now onto the show. Today we're going to be talking about Season 1, Episode 12, titled The Cauldron, Part 1. I don't know why it was titled this, by the way. I thought it... Like, dude, I, I was until I got to the second episode, for some reason, in my mind, it was the crucible, not the cauldron, oh. <laughs> which makes more sense. Yeah, it aired May 5th, 2001. It currently sits at a 7.5 star rating on IMDb. OK, so right off the bat, because I'm going to forget to say this in the middle of the episode. This one should have been called Survival of the Fittest. If yes. Anything. If it wasn't going to be an apocalypse reference, this one should have been called Survival of the Fittest. Or Sanctuary. Right. Yeah, or Sanctuary. <laughs> but they had Survival of the Fittest with Juggernaut. It didn't really have anything to do with anybody having to be i mean i guess maybe the brothers but like is that going to be a contest between physicality between xavier and juggernaut yeah doesn't really seem like a fair yeah. fight not gonna lie but, or anybody versus juggernaut let alone xavier anyway this is the first part of two parts of i said that really with too many words nope nope keep it you're stuck of, with it yeah of a series finale even though i had part of this spoiled for me luckily i after watching this, it was the very, very end. So there's plenty of surprises left for me. So th this episode starts with Scott and Gene in Scott's muscle car. I don't know cars. If that's supposed to represent a specific type, you can let us know in the comments. I just I think like I think we asked that in a previous one and people ignored it. So I'm gonna oh. go with Corvette again. Sweet. Or Mustang. Yeah, yeah. So something some convertible. <laughs> yeah. I guess him and Gene are dating, because this is more couples stuff than before we haven't quite figured i guess they were flirting a few episodes ago i don't think they're don't official yet okay until you see a kiss mm -hmm. in cartoons they're not dating that's my theory doesn't mean they're married or those 92 rules <laughs> yeah i mean you go from from single to married very quickly i got the vibe especially as this and the next episode continue to progress that they are not officially a thing yet okay it's fair and so scott i think least, she wants it to be but i don't think it is he's at least trying to impress her because he kind of like donuts almost into the mansion you know not quite but like there's like a he's, he's zooming in really loudly you know and that mansion is way bigger than I thought it was. Like, there, there's a literal circle at the entrance. He can, like, zoom around. But he hops out. He's like, yeah, the weekend. So you, they, they must have just gotten back from school on a Friday. Right. And that's why I interpret, like, they them not necessarily being dating yet because it was like, oh, they're just the seniors who are leaving class at the same time or something like I that. I think about that. I keep forgetting that they're supposed to be, like, considerably older than the other, or high school. They're, they're at least the juniors or seniors of the group. Yeah. yeah. And then Jean's, like except for your homework <laughs> yeah you forgot your homework and she picks up the bag and it's like he didn't forget his homework it's not like he left it at school gene yeah like he's probably just waiting till sunday night to do it <laughs> like all of us did right or you know to date this episode we're recording this the thursday before labor day weekend as soon as we're done recording rod is mentally going offline until tuesday <laughs> yeah and, and by mentally going offline, it means we're going to be drinking a lot for your birthday. Yes, yeah. Well, so, yeah, so Sunday is my birthday. There's that. But also leading up to that, I'm just going to be like, I worked too hard this week. You did. <laughs> Take the weekend. <laughs> you added enough of my bullshit on this show. You deserve a break, oh, no, Rod. No, that's, no, that's, <laughs> this, this is the least of it. But it's still part of it. <laughs> but while she's trying to be, like, the downer on Scott's weekend, who he's not even in earshot anymore. He's like long gone yeah he he fucks right off <laughs> she sees something in the trees and this is normally where i would rewind to see if i could see it but once again i had no controls because of spectrum <laughs> and or disney plus this time it was it was a shadow that if you were able to look carefully looked like toad okay. yes so yes. i was in the same situation as gene i was like what was that and then it zoomed again I was like still don't know it was uh, a cat yeah <laughs> so she she thinks that it's kitty climbing trees which <laughs> it's a really weird accusation to yell at a teenager. She did climb trees in the last episode. I know, but it's just like, <laughs> she's not jumping from branch to branch. Yeah, yeah. Here's the thing. I would assume it's Kurt before yeah. I would assume it's Kitty. And then, did she say that eventually, though? Was it Kurt you're messing around or something? She thought it was Evan who was messing around. That's right. That's yeah. another weird one. Yeah. I don't see Evan climbing trees, personally. Because he's a, he's a skateboarder. If anything, he'd be... Yeah. I don't know. Okay, yeah. So Gene's just not... In. Jean's drunk. Yeah. <laughs> She's icing too for, for extra life. So she decides to do the thing that all white girls in horror movies do and go into the woods alone when seeing something suspicious. Yep. <laughs> and then I couldn't help. There was a well there. I was like, this is going to end horribly. Also, is the mansion on well water? Like, what is this? Something so weird. <laughs> also, the mansion is above a hangar. Yeah. So how deep does that well need to be to hit the water line? They're on a cliff. 
Yeah. I don't know. There's a, the like, geography of this mansion just breaks me every time. <laughs> Doesn't matter whose show it is. Yeah. Then she like telepath or telekinetically like removes a bush out of the ground, which I'm sure Xavier and the landscaping crew appreciate. Toads <laughs> underneath it. Behind um, it, not underneath yeah, it. Behind it, yeah. And they fight a little bit. But he's being like weirdly cryptic about saying like, I gotta win this, I gotta prove myself. Yeah. Stuff. And once again, I'm in the same position as she is. She's like, what? Okay, whatever. You just think he's being weird because he usually is. I love that he basically, like, tries to attack her with a stick. <laughs> and then he straight up sweeps the leg. Like, he, like, totally Cobra Kai's it on her. Yeah. Yeah, he has, it's weird because he, he shows, like, some signs of, like, being a little bit of a trained fighter. But then also, like, you're fighting someone who has telekinetic powers. And he's just not, everything, every time he, like, literally throws a punch, he's getting stopped by something in thin air. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, he keeps talking about how he, he wants to prove himself if he wins and stuff. And the fight ends with her throwing him down the well telekinetically. And then an orb arrives out of the sky. And that was genuine confusion from my side. So there is a show. It's a British show. And it was essentially like about a cult. And there was an orb that was how they kept people from escaping the cult. I can't remember the name of it. I've only seen it like referenced in YouTube videos. But that is what the visual reminded me of. Of like the weird security protocol or something like that kind of thing. Yeah. Because it it opens and then it has like Dr. Octopus arms come out of it and grab it. Like the tentacles. I actually said, yeah, like so it opens and then is that Omega Red? Because they were white tendrils. So I was like, some weird like altered origin. It doesn't make sense in being there, but the only reason I wouldn't assume it was Omega Red is because of how they were thick. Whereas his tendrils are usually on like the skinny ropey side. Gotcha. But it it grabs Jean, throws her in the orb, and then just flies away. And then Toad says he should have won. It wasn't over. I still could have won. I I was so genuinely confused. So many things. It it was like when I watched Asteroid City by Wes Anderson. Like, I can tell you what happened. I can't tell you why any of this happened. I mean, the same could be said about the Justice League movie, but anyway. Nobody likes DC. And then it cuts to the intro. When it comes back from the intro, to add to the confusion... We're just on a tropical island. I don't know what I expected. I guess because this was going to be like a series finale, I thought it was going to be a little bit more familiar. Season, not series. Oh, it's not series. Se- season finale. Settings were going to be a little bit for m- more familiar, but they are subverting all expectations. Have a confusing cold open, unfamiliar setting after returning from the intro credits and stuff. You with, know what two, is with two random kids. Yeah. What is funny, though, and I can't tell you why, as soon as I saw the blonde kid on the surfboard, I was like, I'll bet that's Scott's brother. And I don't know why. There was nothing that would have told me that. And also, I don't know characters well enough to be able to, to get that from people, you know? And I'll also even add to your credit, Rod, his hair traditionally does not have, like, that down surfer look. It's usually a little more, like, buzzed on the side, pushed up, like, a little bit more like what it was in X-Men 92 in his appearance there. So, props to you. And is he ever portrayed as, like, a surfer dude? Not in the versions I've read. So, like I said, I can't tell He's, you why. The, the stuff I've read, which is post-X-Factor versions of, of him, he's very angsty. So, I guess the only maybe maybe that could have been is that that whole cold open kind of, like, subliminally primed me to think that because it had to do with Scott and Gene. I don't know. I, I, I don't really have an explanation for that. It was just like a weird instinct. Then I was like, huh, I'm right. Then these two random kids that we never see again, they're just like, I understand you see your friend and you're like, oh, they just want to chill. I don't know if I would do the same thing if they were the only ones out in the ocean. Because I, <laughs> I used to live out on the East Coast and I don't know how other friend groups work, but like number one rule is like you don't ever leave anyone alone in the ocean, no matter how comfortable you are, because ocean is wild. Anything could happen, you know, like especially if someone's like yeah. resting and you don't know they're sleeping or something. There's tides, there's waves. <laughs> there's sharks. You're right. Yeah, we know there's sharks now. <laughs> yeah, we literally know there's a shark. So they just fuck off and never return. Awful friends. And he's out there, and I thought that maybe it was going to be this orb thing again. Or I thought it was going to be, like, a different mutant. I wasn't expecting it to actually be a shark that attacks him from under the board. Yeah, I, I re Like, it. even Mystique in transformation mode. Right. <laughs> yeah, now that we know that she doesn't have any limits, I guess. Yeah. So far, the only thing that we haven't seen her turn into is inanimate objects. We'll so say, far. Yes. <laughs> but yeah, he literally gets attacked by a shark, which that can't be like a super new thing. Like, So those friends were extra shitty. If they knew that there are sharks in the water and they're like, yeah, he's fine. <laughs> well, it is confirmed. It, they mentioned it later that it's in Hawaii. So it's like you do know that there are sharks around the beaches of Hawaii. I'm not sure exactly. I guess it's just because it's a cartoon that 
why the shark would have attacked him, you know? Because generally, you know, sharks don't really attack people that much. He wasn't well, as somebody who recently watched both The Meg and The Meg 2 within a few weeks of this recording. Yeah, usually they don't attack a board that is sitting yeah. there. Usually there's like kicking or thrashing or something like that the, where they think it's a wounded animal. At least that's what Jason Statham told me. Yeah, right. Meg 2, man. I haven't been so upset how bad a movie was in a very long time. Really? I thought I, it was stupid fun. I loved the first one. Mm-hmm. That's why I saw the second one, and I fell asleep twice in the second one. <laughs> I just couldn't. I couldn't. <laughs> I also watched The Flash like three days before I watched The Meg and The Meg 2, so, so just really by comparison, more. it was like, cool, this is great. I love how <laughs> dumb this shit is. I'm usually into it. I just couldn't. It was, it was the fun dumb, not the angry yeah. John dumb. Yeah. Anyway, so I think they did mention his name is Alex. So that was Yeah, like they called for him and yeah. said his name was Alex. So that was like a heavy, heavy hint that it was, it was Scott's brother, unless they decided to randomly drop another Alex in the right. middle of this. But he wards off the shark. I thought he murdered the shark for a second. With his he powers. blasted it in the fucking mouth. That yeah. shark is dead, dude. I don't yeah. care. I don't. That thing died from internal injuries as soon as it was, it was right. off camera. Well, because it went belly up. And I was like, oh, he fried him. But then he swam away and was like, "Ooh, that must that was that was a sensitive thing. Like we can't show danger <laughs> Especially because it was like, oh, that gl- the red glow that was coming out of it too, where it's like, oh, that's its guts exploding. Oh yeah. <laughs> but he seems very surprised by it. He's like staring at his hands. His hands are like still glowing, and then we get like you know the transition flash. This flash was different, and once again, I couldn't pause anything. But I feel like they're even if they weren't important. It was actually related this time instead of just being random scenes and stuff. So they probably just cut like random things out of this set of episodes to put in here. But it, it transitions to the mansion, and our suspicion from previous episodes was correct. They built the new Cerebro pretty much the one that was in the movie. Yeah, it absolutely looked like the one in the movie. And at this point, the movie had been out a full year plus prior, or at least a full year prior. So they would have had time to like reference materials and make that change over and such. So the recording of this it was two episodes ago that you had mentioned like, oh, Cerebro looked cheap. And then I was like, oh, I guess maybe there's a chance they're going to rebuild it into this big but, one. They did. <laughs> but the headset still looked fucking cheap. Right. <laughs> Baby the room was better, but the headset looked cheap. My Cerebro... Right. <laughs> looks like the one from 92 and it always yeah. has and this one looks like built it with fucking a cardboard erector set i think i gotta pay for that the the rooms that the kids are destroying and wolverine destroys <laughs> yeah that's what he did he took the scrap wood from wolverine's destroyed room and made the cerebro out of that yeah so xavier's in this new cerebro room and logan kind of like just walks up behind him and everybody just likes interrupting each other in the space yeah, there's no like, privacy in that mansion that's why kitty was so pissed yeah Right, these emails is like everything's fine except like no one knows boundaries here. Which she walked in. She walked yeah, in she walked in on Rogue. Okay. And Logan's like, "Oh, Cerebro up and running," and he's like, "Yeah, well, we immediately found someone. His name is Alex Masters. I don't know if Masters is a previous reference to something, but he did say like pulling up the notes. He did say like previously known as." Alex Summers, Scott's long-lost brother, and everyone's surprised that Scott's brother is still alive. Right, because they had mentioned that Scott was the only survivor of the plane crash, and that Mm -hmm. was the plane crash that actually gave him, like, brain damage, so... And I feel like most people who listen to this are really familiar with, you know, a lot of X-Men lore and stuff. But Scott's origin story is akin to, like, Bruce Wayne's parents or something. Because it's, it's a, like, a canon event. Like, even I knew that there was always a plane. The kids get thrown off the plane with parachutes. The kids get separated. And then things divert from there. But that initial event is usually, like, the canon event for them. So... In the comics, when the plane crash happened, it was a single parachute that they held on to each other. As the parachute caught fire, Scott used his blast to help slow their descent. Still ends up hitting hard, hurts himself. Ends up in the same orphanage as Alex. That orphanage was run by Sinister. And then to separate the two kids, he got Alex adopted. Oh, gotcha. As far as I could tell, Alex Masters in the comics was a alternate version of Alex Summers, like alternate reality scenario. But I'm also looking through this super quickly right now. So maybe they're planting a seed for something later 
which I feel is pretty likely because as we said before, like they're not really great at putting like fun Easter eggs in here for the sake of Easter eggs. Someone must have a plan for this down the road because they don't reference it again in this episode. Right. So yeah, if you even look at his official aliases on marvel.com, it's prelate summers, magistrate summers, goblin prince and mutant X. So Alex masters is not, at least in comics, 616, not one of the options for him. And no, I'm not going to explain what all those other ones mean, Rob. Don't worry. Xavier explains that Alex was adopted by a family in Hawaii. We're just going to go with that. This is such a, like, we don't know where the plane crash happened, but Scott ended up in New York and Alex ended up in Hawaii. I don't know if you could pinpoint land masses further away from each other geographically for people yeah. to end up which is probably maybe probably on purpose so it's plausible that they never cross paths i don't know or uh, anyway they, they just they don't discuss alex's point of view too much because otherwise they get into the questions of like he would ask kind of like nightcrawler like you got found in a river you got found getting thrown off a plane or something yeah you would think that local law enforcement would at least talk to each other and be like hey it's wild we had a kid fall out of a plane really so did we ours is in a coma (laughs) nobody had a discussion in whatever remote part of where his family's plane crashed yeah also i do want to point out the dad did not look like corsair to me oh that's true i keep forgetting that that's the dad so they probably not they're probably not going to use him this time. I don't think they're going to touch the Star Jammers in this. He gave me no vibe that that was Corsair. Yeah. Swashbuckling scumbag. I did not get that here. Yeah. So Xavier tells Logan's like, "Well, we get get the jet ready. We're going to go to Hawaii." And then before the jet gets there, they cut back to Hawaii and you see that Alex is coming up on shore, fully intact. He's not injured or anything. He's just come back from surfing aside from shark blood all over him probably and guts and stuff and magneto finds him i think if i remember right this might be the first time magneto reveals himself to like someone other than mystique or xavier like one of the kids also quicksilver quicksilver that's right yeah which is his son so yes understandably Um, so yeah so this is the first time we've seen that he's approached like a stranger essentially starts talking to him and then it is like an ominous cutaway so I think you're supposed to like get the impression like, oh no, he's in danger. Well, yeah. Alex straight up calls him a creep too. Yeah, well, yeah, fair, because he's a kid. And then some dude who is... So this is 2001. This is a man who was a child during the Holocaust. So that age, he's like, hey kid, so on the beach. we don't know for sure they're going with that origin for him. Yeah, yeah. We don't know yet. We're making yeah. assumptions, but it's still an old dude on a beach. <laughs> yeah, right. Also... <laughs> fully covered and wearing a cape too like let's just be real let's use los angeles logic the guy walking down the street in the cape is probably not somebody you want to talk to here so (laughs) imagine that on a hot beach in hawaii yeah because i've been the guy in the cape walking down true (laughs) i actually don't know that as a fact but i've done so much shit in like 10 years of youtube that i can't say that it hasn't happened we have friends who do interesting videos so it's entirely possible right also he's like oh yeah i know the pain you're going through and the aches in your bones and like stuff like that and he's basically like yeah i got answers for you and he kind of like offers his hand that's a great description too because i hadn't ever considered what powers manifesting feel like and they probably address this in comics and stuff i'm assuming but in the shows at least they've just been like oh it happens and you're immediately great at it or at the most you're a little clumsy with it at the beginning but this is the first time i remember them like addressing how it feels internally to go through changes like that right i mean there there are definitely ones in the comics who have like the worst powers that you would want to have suddenly manifest like somebody who literally turns into an atomic bomb and just nukes their entire city and it's like oh yeah that fucking hurts because i lit myself on fire especially with you know the same show that has someone like spike where it's like he doesn't seem to feel pain at all spike has to have no nerve receptors left or anything i feel like because he's literally just like shooting needles out of his fingers in the last episode yeah but then alex says he can feel like the ache of the like the energy in his bones or something you know it's hard for him to describe because it's not something that they could teach in health class during the talk you know and so back at the mansion the blackbird is getting ready to take off logan's in the jet getting ready to take off and stuff in the cockpit in the cockpit and he sees outside the jet xavier telling scott what we're presuming is the beginning of like alex is still alive and then scott like drops his bag and i'm kind of happy they didn't let us hear it i kind of like the visual of just like the silence in the reaction and that he waited till they were boarding the plane yeah 
So unlikely relatability here. I was 13 and found out I had an older half brother. My mother told me, my parents told me while we were in the limo on the way to the airport to pick them up. So it's like a weird relatable things like, mm -hmm. yeah, I guess they just wanted to avoid the conflict until absolutely necessary. In case you were going to like react badly and be like, I'm not going to the airport. I, I don't even know if it was that. I just think they don't like conflict in general. Like, like, you know, I made a joke earlier about like the talk in health class. My parents are immigrants. So they don't know how the American school system works. So like when I got to be a teenager and like things were happening with your body and stuff, I know I know for a fact because my dad. When your ex gene activated. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> my, my dad is super religious and just like not comfortable having those kind of conversations and stuff. I remember coming home with that permission slip from health class to show us like the video and give us the talk and give us the pamphlets and my dad was like what is this and i explained to him they said it's for like sex ed it's gonna be a week or whatever and he's like they'll explain this to you and he's like sign you away he's like can i pre-sign for your brother <laughs> and, and your dad is awesome i love so that i just know that they just didn't they just don't want uncomfortable situations so i was like for the first time i like kind of got whether it was wrong or right you know, is what is debatable, but like Xavier's probably like, ah, let's just wait till we have to. Like, he'll probably want to know why he's on this plane and stuff. And so, I, I know my parents, like, don't, and probably the only reason they told me was we were, they got me up early one day and I was like, what are we, what are we doing? It's like, we have to get ready. The limo's going to be here soon. It's like, why is the limo coming? And then we're in the limo. I was like, where are we going? It's like, to the airport. It's like, to where? It's like, to pick up your brother. It's like, Peter's right here. He's like, your older brother. I'm like, Okay, so now we're at the point of no return. So this reaction, it was like, I was like watching this. And like you said, it's, it's good that we didn't hear the beginning because it kind of, you can fill in the conversation with whatever like kind of hits heaviest with you or whatever. And Scott's reaction kind of made sense. He was just like, let's go. He left his bag. And then, you know, Xavier grabs it and goes, goes up with it and stuff. I don't know if I missed something before, but the other kids seemed to be under the impression that they were going to and that it was going to be a vacation. Yes. That was the only thing that I was confused with was why did the other kids think they were going on the trip? Like, unless Scott Xavier said up. something to Scott and they overheard it and they just assumed they were going with. That's the only thing. Like, if that was like an off camera thing of like, yeah. you know, Wolverine's like, pack your bags. We're going to Hawaii. And the other kids are like, fuck, yeah, we're going to Hawaii. That's all I got. Right. So they were all kind of pissed because... And Kurt was in non-mutant mode. He was in skin mode. Yeah. <laughs> and they were all kind of pissed and feeling ditched. That was another thing, though. They, they left all the kids at home alone, which I hadn't, like, put together until Spike had mentioned something about Aunt Roro, not, you know, before she got home. But I guess it makes sense because this was, like, an unplanned trip. They are also teenagers. I don't. I still wouldn't trust. Them. Maybe that's just me. <laughs> that's definitely just you. I was. And, I was home alone in sixth grade. So I was home alone. But if I had had the experience that Xavier's had with these particular group of kids, even without the superpowers, I'm like, you are never going unsupervised <laughs> in this home. There is a reason why you don't run an institute, Rod. <laughs> oh yeah. These fucking nuclear warhead kids. That's why, because I don't want like an A bomb going off at the school. <laughs> Or the institute they do what teenagers would do in that situation they're like because you already planted the idea in their head that they were going to go to the beach and so they decide they're going to go to the beach anyway and like i said spike says like we gotta do it before aunt roro comes home and they i had to know here they, they they basically steal a tank i don't know what that was supposed to be it was like a hummer tank or something that was in one of the earlier episodes where there was a van that was driven that i didn't know it had convertible features on it right. that was okay. new but no the van was shown in an earlier episode i do remember that also rogue almost kills a cat I saw. I actually made a note before we get the reveal. It's like, was this a reference to Rogue's infamous line in 92? You look more nervous than a long-tailed cat in a room full of rocking chairs? I mean, <laughs> there's no rocking chair, but okay. I could definitely see it, Rob. <laughs> I mean, even if it was like a loose one, if like one animator was like, oh, if someone's going to trip over the cat, it should be Rogue. Like that kind of be right. funny. And I love how they're just like, well... Jean could go fuck herself. We're just leaving her a note. I didn't even think about that. They left Jean alone. Well, they, they literally said that, too. They were like, yeah, we couldn't find Jean, so we left her a note. They were kind of painted her as a square because she was like, I'm forgetting homework. We didn't really look for her, so we just <laughs> left a note. And this is all happening at, like, 4 p.m. on a fucking Friday. Like, let's be yeah. honest. Like, this is all, like tail end of the day like it's not even sundown yet so between when they got home from school to now so this is maybe two hours later and then the cat is revealed to be mystique because why not she just can turn into any animal <laughs> you so, you have such a problem with her power doing it i love it well it's it's unsettling because i'm not used to it but also after this episode if the x-men aren't constantly suspicious of any living thing around them I will be disappointed in their superhero skills the only thing that bothered me 
was when she transforms, she has a working radio. <laughs> I didn't even think about that. Where yeah. did it go? <laughs> I, I don't know. That's the one, That was the one part where it was just like, wait, where would, that cat did not have a radio on it. What's the trope called? The sword pouch or something? Is that, is that that thing for like Legend of Zelda? You know, like where does Link keep all this shit? You know, I mean, D&D, it's the bag of holding where you could just literally throw everything into it. Yeah. <laughs> It's like it's like a whole like fresh fruit and produce, soup, keys, weapons. My favorite trope is in every D&D party, there is always the person who just collects everything after every encounter. Yeah. And then at one point, there's like a thing where somebody's strength is questions. And it's like, how much does your character weigh? And they look at their character sheet, which has been accumulating items. And because it's all on, like, it's all digital, so those items are actually being added and putting weight onto it. Somebody's like, I weigh 387 pounds. And they're like, you're a five foot four elf. You should weigh 90 pounds. And then they just open their sheet, and it's like, oh, yeah, I have a park bench in my inventory. <laughs> that reminds me, I had mentioned I played Pokemon when it very first came out as a kid. And then uh, it always leads to someone asking, like, oh, have you played? I know there's new ones now, but the last one I played was, like, Sword and Shield or whatever. Yep. They're like, what do you think of it? And I was like, it's probably a great game. What I don't like about it is it's too real when you walk into people's homes and go through their trash to find a potion. And I know that's what happened in the original Red, Blue, and Yellow games, but it was more of a Zelda thing where you walk into a box and then you get something and then walk out. In this game, it's so real that there's people like living their lives in the home. Someone just made a TikTok that cracked me up. It was like being like literally anybody but Link in one of the Zelda games. And someone like a villager going to sleep, Link just busting through the door is like, hi. And he's like, what's in here? And like opening up the fridge and getting like a fruit thing and then like blasting a light and the person like going into like a seizure or something. <laughs> I do love the, there's another one where it's essentially just like Link going into a room and just screaming ha the whole time. And he's just destroying every pot in this person's like, you know, flower shop. I like having the disassociation of I'm just in a game walking around a map collecting things i don't want the realism of like a whole four-person family in their home definitely don't play the witcher then <laughs> yeah so i started and that gets too real because like, i think one of the early scenes is the dude taking a bath right or witcher 2 is what i played yeah i played three i did not and, see the bath yo like <laughs> and it was like everything's so uncomfortable not i mean he looked great but like it, it was just like wild i'm just used to golden eye on 64 like your head is a box and it never got more real than that anyway, where, where how were we? you on a video game show a few weeks ago oh yeah no that was that was work for them so they, they <laughs> so you, the blackbird's on the way to a beach yeah yeah blackbird's on the way to the beach it lands the crew finds a surfboard i love scott's like do you think this could be alex's and i'm like i guess you're a kid so you're like he's just picking up random shit. He's like do you think the seashell could be alex's because also they said hawaii i guess cerebro knows the vicinity but hawaii, yeah it, it maps or hawaii is more than one beach <laughs> yeah but they know the beach where it was activated i mean you remember yeah. they found kitty's house pretty damn easily That's like true, okay yeah. remember cerebro literally knew his name and his alias yeah, yeah, that's true. It uh, looks like shit, but it yeah. it works. They find the surfboard, and then they find a reference to that old Christian poem about footprints in the sand. Only this time, there's not only a single set of footprints, they just disappear into thin air at one point. <laughs> so they were raptured? I mean, kind of. That's kind of what happens in these last two episodes. I don't know if you ever read the Left Behind books at the end of the 90s, but that, this no. that's kind of what happened. You and I had very different teenage years. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Protestant, Catholic. <laughs> and... Logan smells Magneto, which he didn't specify what he smelled of Magneto. Then Cyclops was like, who's that? That was a cool moment. Yeah. Like, oh, man. I literally no. wrote Cyclops doesn't know with the exclamation point because like they knew who Mystique was. Mm -hmm. even if they didn't know that she was the teacher until the reveal episode, but he doesn't even know the name Magneto. Yeah. Like that's massive, I feel like. And that's one of those things that I feel like Brett was referenced a while back where Xavier's like, we'll tell things to them in time. So I guess they just didn't bother to bring a Magneto. Yeah, his greatest foe, <laughs> right. who has literally attacked him at the mansion. Oh, that's right. I forgot about that. Yeah, He's literally showed up and thrown him into a window, you know? He knows where we live. Yeah, that's wild. And he knows that there's an institute because he addresses like how naive it is for him to have it there. He says he's proud of the kids. Yeah. Oh, ugh. yeah, he put a target on their back. Yeah, the kids are like the Aunt May of this this, this group. <laughs> then Xavier tries to reach Magneto telepathically. So a little bit of a minor nitpick in previous incarnations of this dynamic. I even I know 
Xavier can't reach Magneto, right, through the helmet? It's usually that he cannot affect him through the helmet. Okay, so he can still talk to him? I think I've never seen it, so it could go either way. Yeah, so I I just under the understanding that Magneto wears a helmet specifically because of Charles and to, like, keep him out, basically. But then the Blackbird just kind of goes all, like, wompy chot and gets dragged away. It looks like... What phrase did you just fucking say? No, Wompy John. <laughs> That's some shit, Rod. I've literally okay. never heard that oh, in really? my 40 years on this fucking planet. I, <laughs> I grew up with some southern friends. Yeah, you did. Uh, the Blackbird looks like if an invisible, gigantic toddler grabbed it yes. and dragged it away. That's the motion. Because it, it flew away, but not stably, if that makes sense. It was not smooth, as you would expect. Yeah. yeah. Logan jumps up on it, and he gets lost with it, gets you know, taken with it. He grabs uh, onto the, the wheel of it, which I feel like yeah. is a very challenging spot to climb up to the rest of a plane from, but he, he right. goes for it. And so the Blackbird is, like, long gone. It, it, got, it made good time. So it's just Scott left, and then Alex appears out of nowhere, and I was like, oh, fuck, how did fucking Mystique get here so fast? It's just never, it's never who who they who they really are, except this time. It really was Except Alex. it is. Alex appears, and he's like, don't worry, Magneto just wants to show Xavier something. And I was like, when did he find out who Xavier was? I guess Magneto told him. Magneto told, <laughs> Magneto gave way more information to Alex in five minutes than yeah. Xavier has given Scott in years. And I'm guessing Alex didn't see how that takeoff went because that didn't seem like a friendly, like, let me just show you something. Well, he knew that he was like trying to like separate them. Yeah. And so he's like, but I want to show you something too. And like, oh, this is definitely mystique, isn't it? Like- <laughs> well, he, he, he's basically like, Magneto told me you were coming and Cyclops is like, well, he literally kidnapped my professor. And it's right. like, no, no, we just, you know, we need to show you stuff. So they, they go behind the hill that he popped out of. And there's the same orb that took Gene. Well, before he goes to the orb, he basically does say he is a mutant. And Magneto wants to show him something that is for all mutants. Cult red flag number one. I feel like the surfer guy, not too familiar with cult tactics. Right. (laughs) Even Cyclops is like, this is dumb, but I want to make sure that you're okay. So I'm going with you. So they climb into this ominous orb and it flies away. We catch up with the Blackbird that's still careening out of control over the water. Magneto appears in front of the Blackbird in front of Charles and says, humankind will learn of them eventually and fear them i was like okay yep. people don't know about mutants yet right that was that was the Wild. the other big reveal for this episode that we alluded to in the last one is like mm-hmm. oh there's whatever has happened has all been like explained or been conspiracy theory and like the bigfoot revelation was saber so the world doesn't know mutants are a thing so that makes evan spiking out during his basketball game in his debut even a bigger deal because that might have been the first time somebody saw a mutant if they weren't focused on his shot right destroy the floor yeah <laughs> yeah we we expelled that kid he destroyed the floor you know yeah like, did you see the claws come out of him it's like hold on he just he, there's a new floor like <laughs> <laughs> and then there's a really fucked scene because Wolverine is on the top and he tries to slice his way into the jet. And as his claws go through, Wolverine's claws literally get bent by Magneto. Yeah, because Magneto's giving the monologue of like, oh, don't you know I'm the master of magnetism and you're made of metal? And I was like, that looks like maybe one of the first things that hurts. The first time I've seen him like hurt, hurt something. And then he literally like just uses his magnetism to like, flop him back and forth just kind of like a rag doll straightens up the claws and then just lets him drop over the ocean magneto is a little less honorable in this series so far than the 92 series like he he's wolverine a little bit he's definitely more big bad wolverine looks over to the island and sees a hasten swim back which still sucks then we see storm is returning to the mansion and everyone's gone except for this cat which i get the cat distribution system of the universe but storm is not phased by this random animal being there the cat distribution of the universe yeah, yeah i don't know if you see this thing it's like i don't know if it's a new thing but it's definitely like on tiktok and stuff where like the universe distributes cats as needed to humanity there's not just one but there's several like little comic strips about that adopting a dog and it's like someone deciding one day they want to get a dog walking to the animal shelter signing paperwork taking the dog home and adopting a cat is just like oh there's a cat by the dumpster this is guy like on on his bed reading and then a cat breaks through the roof that's pretty much how it goes even just with our circle of friends so like me with i was the closest to normal with with lucy i went to the animal shelter but because it was during covid they just handed her to me through a mail slot literally i didn't even see the i don't know what the person who handed her to me looks like kind of how it worked and i didn't get a choice and so i drove her home i was like i hope we like each other (laughs) 
that was the most normal but then like our mutual friend swoop she just had lost her cat not too long ago I mean, it was older so it died pretty naturally but then this like cat in an alley next to her apartment found her and happened to be pregnant with six black cats she did find homes for some of them but she still has four of them and then our other friend shawnee who hopefully will be on the show at some point went to vegas and came home with two black cats so it's just the, the universe and oh and our friend billy he billy if you're listening to this you own a black cat you keep saying you don't but you have one this i was cat- literally gonna ask if billy's was also a black cat <laughs> yeah no everybody has a black cat they're the, they're the best but he, <laughs> this is cat that's outside his apartment and it keeps running into his house Whenever he opens the door, twice at least, he's shown video on his Instagram stories of the cat like rolling around his bed. He's like, that's your cat now. Anyway, yeah, Storm's not phased by it, at least at that moment. In a, mo- a little bit later, Storm shows a little bit of evidence that maybe she she had some inkling. Because she's walking through the mansion and no one's there. The cat follows her and then we see the silhouette of the cat turning into Mystique. And Storm's like, ah, it's you, you know? And it's like, okay, so maybe there's a little suspicion there or the noise of whatever the morphing sounds like. Yeah, and then Storm... Storm just straight up zaps her. I love that because what was Mystique going to do? So so that's one of the things that hasn't really been addressed until we get to like the fight scene here. Like she's a skilled assassin and could kill most people in like a hand to hand combat scenario. Like she's she is actually the kind of person who doesn't need a weapon to murder somebody. But she I feel like she knows enough about Storm to know that lightning is one of her powers. I don't disagree with that. And she's not hesitant to use it because she's. I mean, even like tornadoes, like she would have thrown a tornado at her or something like there's so many things It's not important. So they, yeah, they get in a little bit of a, a, a fight or they start the fight. And then I thought it was weird that we kept cutting away from these little battles, but we'll see why. In right. A little bit. We get back to the kids on the road trip. They're driving along the side of a dangerous mountain because apparently this is the only kind of path there is where they live. Also, knowing that portion of the country, that is not like a thing. That is like a oh, West really? Coast, like having <laughs> having like the cliffside stuff. Like that is not something by Westchester near a beach. That's hilarious. Yeah, so who knows where they are. Yeah. And very similar to their f- ill-fated cave trip, they get ambushed. Instead of snow, they get ambushed by the, the Brotherhood kids. A bunch of stuff happens. There's like a couple vehicles. Avalanche does a bunch of stuff. Yeah, Avalanche is... Here's the only thing. Avalanche is both driving and also using his earthquake power simultaneously. So he's drained by this point. And, and you see that he's in the car, Quicksilver and Toad are in there. Spike is literally shooting spikes back at their car and he hits both headlights, but he does not hit the tires. Yeah, I didn't know what the point of the headlight thing was because they were in the middle of the day. I think it was he's showing missed. that Spike missed. I think okay. that's all it was. Um, Kit's theory, Kit Quinn's theory of like he's a little too confident. <laughs> yeah toothpick so lance continues to try to get them off the road he succeeds they basically go like down like one of those like service roads and just smash right into blob oh yeah and he was unstoppable or unmovable is that what he immovable immovable i don't know if i'm wrong or not but is this the first time someone called lance avalanche or has he been called that before quicksilver calls him avalanche doesn't mystique say her avalanche or something like that in his intro episode yeah, at I the en- that- the end of the episode when she okay. met him i think she said it okay this but i but i do think it's one of the times where he's addressed by a code name and the only costume that i just i don't connect with of all the costume redesigns costume, yeah. is his i don't know that one doesn't work for me all the rest it all fits the characters that one's like huh the Brotherhood kids start to square off with the ex-kids who cut away like we did before. Logan's crawling up on shore. Sabretooth's there, because why wouldn't he be? They start to square off, but then they cut away again. And he notes that he wasn't dropped there by accident. Oh, that's right. Yeah, he's like, that can't be an accident. Yep. And, and we as the audience now know that because now we've had like three three cutaways of like square off starting. Right. And we still trying to figure out why it's called the cauldron. Yep. <laughs> Jumps over and Xavier is like now in the north because he's flying through the Aurora Borealis. Yeah. So this yeah. is a at least north was it northwestern hemisphere. Yeah, and can you imagine going that far that fast? like basically spinning the wrong direction like he wasn't like flying as the jet would fly magneto was like spinning him around it was not a great flight yeah they approach it and it's immediately recognizable it's like oh that's asteroid m we're doing this for the season finale and that's where we get the full magneto reveal for the first time you see it in his entirety and then specifies that they are at the sanctuary which is asteroid m that was the episode where Asteroid M was revealed in X-Men 92, though. The two-parter was called Sanctuary. 
Yeah, so I still don't... I guess the cauldron is where, like, you put everything together to boil it or something. Out of the fire into the cauldron, isn't that a phrase? It's the opposite, right? Out of the pot into the flame. I don't know. Keep talking, Rod. I will look stuff up. Side note on this set of scenes. The music's always fine, but I love the score that they had during the Asteroid M sequences and stuff. It was like, I don't know if they just put extra work into it or whatever, but, like, I thought it was, like, really great, really effective. And it was, like, a little bit more orchestral or symphonic. Magneto is starting to give his villain monologue because we're in the the third act of this first episode and starts montaging between all the duels that we were just in inter- into the cauldron comes up with world of warcraft quests so i'm i'm not finding that right now so yeah we see this montage of all the duels that we were introduced to and magneto's revealing his plan for and my note says exactly for survival of the fittest, which is why this would have made sense as a title for this set of episodes. Well, you phrases it as it's like a moment of rebirth and it's a trial by fire. And I guess that's the connection to Cauldron. But yeah, mutant versus mutant and the winners get to go to Asteroid M. I don't want to jump too much into like sensitive material and stuff. But in general, to your point, we don't know exactly what Magneto's origins are in this universe. Right. But if he is the one that survived, you know, the Holocaust and stuff, what a choice it was to make Magneto the one to kind of want to do like an evolutionary square people off you know, see which person in each group is like superior or whatever to to choose to be in this place. It was just odd. I hadn't seen Magneto do that and other things I'm familiar with. Right. I think that goes a little like we talked about it in 92 where the original version of Magneto was darker. It wasn't until you got to the Joseph storyline, which is when they gave like the alternate like he had like lost his memory and stuff like that that you started to see like a gentler nicer magneto like the original magneto was like oh humans tried to kill me so i'm going to try to kill humans so you know i I get that but it's just that him making mutant square off on each other like seems a little bit out of character but he doesn't make them kill each other it's just kind of like you know an audition fight kind of scenario I guess if I was a nitpick, I kind of wish that there would have been some element introduced here that would have like informed us that there was like some sort of limited resource mm-hmm. why he had it. Because otherwise, why don't just have the Brotherhood kids come or have all of them come? Because like having them square off could only piss off the people who were loyal to him previously. And there's still power. They're not gone. Like I said, they're not dead. Right. But I mean, jumping ahead a, a little bit, like Mystique is questioning why she even has to prove herself. And I yeah. think it's that whole theory. Like, and there's also like kind of specific pairings. Like you don't need Wolverine and Sabretooth. You only want the stronger of the two. Mm-hmm. So yeah, some of the pairings made sense. Like you could tell that they, they thought about it and stuff. Not uh, Jean and Toad. That yeah, was a very was, unfair pairing. Yeah, it was, it was a weird. <laughs> And then there was another one, Nightcrawler and Lance. But then, like, Spike and Quicksilver kind of made sense because of, like, how their history before and stuff. Yeah. So after he gives his big spiel, he's like, you know, you need to come and see what I have to offer. Let's do this as friends and not enemies. And he brings Charles with him into Asteroid M. And that's where we go back to the van. Nightcrawler and Rogue teleport out from where they were, tackle Lance and Toad, Kitty and Spike phase up, and that's where we actually start getting our pairings of people. Oh, that's right, yeah, because Blob falls on Kitty. And then she phases through him, but that drains her so much that she passes out from the phasing. I guess there's some amount of contact because she was like, ooh, I gotta take a shower now. And then she passed out, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So Blob won by being gross, is what I got. (laughs) So Lance ends up beating Nightcrawler, teleporting, ends up having rocks fall on top of him with a teleport. And then Quicksilver just buries Evan in sand by spinning around him so much. (laughs) Which is just like, that's almost more sad than Kitty like losing from phasing through Blob, because at least that's gross. This is just like, you got buried in sand, bro. Like, to be honest, you don't deserve to go to Utopia. Yeah, (laughs) which they still don't know what's going on. Yeah, they have no idea why they're fighting. Rogue pops up behind Toad and she's like, I don't want your memories in my head, but we got to end this. So she starts to take her glove off to touch him. Well, Toad tries to like tongue lash her. She catches it in the door and then basically like pulls him in to to knock him out, essentially. And as she's about to touch him to get the memories, Lance is like, no, no, it's fine. You're good. You won. You already won. She's like, what? Yeah. (laughs) And then the orbs come. They call it a reward, too. Yeah, it's really weird. It's also weird that they only told like once. I guess it makes sense it's the Brotherhood kids that they told, but like it's still weird that only one side knows that there's even a contest happening. It doesn't yeah. exactly feel like a fair fight if one knows why it's a pitched battle. 
Right. Back in the mansion, you get Mystique and Storm continuing to fight. This is where Mystique actually says, like, she's confused why she needs to prove herself. And then Storm just beats the shit out of Mystique. And then her orb arrives. Yeah, I like that. Even though Storm makes the haze, mm-hmm. it's, she still just, like, socks her in the face. Yeah. <laughs> well, and they also were, like, they, they used a phrase for Storm. Mystique calls her the Wind Rider which is something that she was referenced as in the comics when she was viewed as, like, the goddess in, in her country and such. So I do like that they, they went with, like, the goddess storm, or the stoic storm in this, and not, like... Because whenever we're in that movie era, I'm just afraid they're going to default to Halle Berry's storm. That's not going to be a worst nightmare. I mean, here's the problem, man. As bad as Halle Berry's storm was, the one in Apocalypse, I think, was worse. Oh, Alexander's ship? And I have no problem with the actress. It was just everything yeah. about X-Men Apocalypse was garbage. You know, that Apocalypse was garbage. I think I was more open to that storm just because I was so over the Halle Berry one, but it still wasn't great. Like none of, none of that was like, yeah, let's keep that. We're weighing two bad things against each other. It's not yeah. like one is obviously a win. Yeah. Yeah. Like her being like a horseman did not work for me. Anyway. Anyway, jumps over Wolverine and Sabretooth are continuing their fight still. And then Sabretooth actually does a little bit of a, an exposition dump there and explains that he's fighting to get in to get some sort of reward. So we that's actually the only one who kind of has an idea of like what he's fighting for. Yeah, and it's not even that much, but that's the only fight that doesn't finish. Correct. Yeah, because as the orbs start arriving, Magneto says like, you know, the gathering is essentially almost complete. And he says he wants Xavier to join him on whatever this thing is and i did write this down so the winners of this weird competition that's happening are rogue gene storm blob avalanche quicksilver scott and alex they didn't have to compete also xavier's Xavier's allowed there he didn't have to compete either yeah but yeah he's like well you know those with side with him get to be a part of it and Xavier asks, well, what happens to somebody who doesn't? And he says, you know, it could be a little bit more forceful. And then you get the tube reveal that Rogue, Gene, and Storm are already, like, packaged up nicely in those tubes. Yeah, and he's like, that's not cool. Like, they, that was, he said they, they weren't rewarded. They were ambushed or not ambushed, kidnapped or something. Abducted. He's like, yeah, abducted. Yep. They weren't rewarded. They were abducted. It's like, yeah, that's accurate. And then you see Scott and Alex walk out as Magneto is like, oh, and we found our new convert. And they're wearing matching douchebag outfits is the best <laughs> thing I could use to describe it. Everything about that. Yeah, it was very like it was 90s. like a leather brown leather jacket, white turtlenecks and jeans. And I'm like, what the fuck is this uniform right now, Magneto? Maybe they want to go skiing on Asteroid <laughs> Apparently. And then that's where the episode ends on the to be continued. Yeah, on the zoom in on Xavier's face being shocked. Yeah. Not a very good psychic, I feel like. <laughs> that's true. But all I could think is like he's shocked and it's like, oh, maybe you should have told him about Magneto years ago. Or at any point in time. At any you had a you had a window that you did not take, sir. Literal window. End the show, Rod. <laughs> okay, yeah. Thanks for joining us. If you have any thoughts, make sure to drop them in the comments of either the YouTube upload or Instagram post. <laughs> Absolutely done. About this episode. If you like what you heard, we'd appreciate a rating on the podcast app of your choosing. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Amazon Music, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and Castbox. Not uh, Stitcher. Got, not Stitcher. And we got one more episode for the end. Oh, hi. Lucy's joining us now. One more episode. Stay tuned if you want to see if Lucy will behave on a three part recording night. <laughs> <laughs>